Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 202, People Pleasing and Overfunctioning. It's February 1st, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, (laughs) consultant, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. There is no music any longer to my podcast intros or outros, as I am working to include people who are hard of hearing or have hearing loss. Please join the movement and get other podcasters and social media content creators to ditch music when combined with speaking. That would be very helpful to people. Okay, people pleasing and over-functioning. Where am I going with this? Well, some of you already know. But before I break this apart, visit my website to enter my giveaway. I already covered the disclaimer. This is not intended to be medical or therapy advice in any capacity, nor is any of my other content. There are transcripts currently on rss.com. They are not in great shape, in my humble opinion. I'm working on it. I'll let you know when it's resolved, which couldn't be soon enough. As a further note, if you are feeling suicidal or life is too hard for you, I am asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988 That number again is 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. Now, I'm actually coming, this is people-pleasing and over-functioning. I'm actually adding over-giving to it, but I I didn't put that in the title. So these are actually three different things. They're not the same thing. And right out of the gates, I want to make it clear. It's normal and reasonable to want people in your life, in your circle, to be happy. People pleasing in the context of this podcast means, well, first of all, let me back it up. People pleasing is not a medical or a clinical term. So there is no clinical definition for people pleasing. The dictionary definition of people pleasing as a noun is someone or something that pleases or wants to please people or two, a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. Now, they do talk about people pleasing in psychology. It's just simply not a clinical or medical term. Under the psychology umbrella, people-pleasing may be due to fears of rejection, fears of abandonment. It could be fears or concerns that there will be a negative consequence or some punishment or fear of failure. So a lot of people-pleasing is rooted in negative concerns. The traits. I'm going to list uh, several traits, like 20 traits, That could be, the operative word is could be, a sign or indicator 
that someone might be a people pleaser. Now the first one, low self-esteem, that affects up to 85% of the population and we do not have 85% of the population uh, who are people pleasers. So these are just traits that might be at play in a person who's a people pleaser. So one, low self-esteem. Two, sacrifices own needs, wants, and desires. Three, has trouble saying no. Four, justifies the behaviors of others. Five, low self-awareness. Six, usually low in assertiveness. Seven, accepts blames, blame when they are blameless. Eight, needs praise or validation from others. Nine, agrees when they don't agree. Ten, they have a hard time being their authentic and real self. Eleven, a giver. Twelve, avoids conflicts or arguments. Thirteen, they feel responsible for other people's feelings. Fourteen, they hide their own feelings when they are hurt. Fifteen, they overcommit to jobs, roles, projects, etc. Sixteen, they apologize too much. Seventeen, they rarely take credit for their work. Eighteen, they may have trouble enjoying themselves. Nineteen, they may neglect self-care. And twenty, they are concerned about either disappointing someone or others or being a disappointment. So that gives you kind of the flavor of possible traits for someone who might be a people pleaser. Now, the next piece, so we've got people pleasing, you're getting an idea about that. That's somebody, you know, like, look, we all want people to be happy. Most of us do. But then there's people pleasing to the extreme. I'm talking about when this crosses the threshold and starts eating up your life, etc. Now, the next piece is over-functioning. I have over-functioning combined with over-giving. So over-functioning in the clinical sense, it's not necessarily a clinical definition, but in the psychology sense is doing more than your share. Doing more than your share in relationships, than justifying or making excuses for the other person. I personally have a little history with, <laughs> with myself being someone who overfunctions. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and then I have this overgiving. So I'm going to give you some signs for overfunctioning first, and then I'll, I'll give you some signs for overgiving. Now, I didn't include a lot of the signs for overfunctioning because I was appalled. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, if the, if the research looks questionable or I'm, I'm not going to include it. So this is what I felt comfortable including. So some signs or cues for overfunctioning. One, being overly accommodating when people need to reschedule. Two, doing a job or a task that, that someone else could do themselves, but you're doing it for them. Three, reminding people to do things. Four, backseat driving. Five, trying to convince someone that your thinking is the correct way of thinking. Six, being concerned about other people's responsibilities. Seven, giving unsolicited advice. Eight, giving others the goals they should have. Nine, taking on problems that are not yours. So I have to say, when I... I I, this that kind of doesn't marry up a hundred percent with what I was told about overfunctioning. Overfunctioning is often paired with someone who underfunctions. So you have one person doing more than they should because the other person is doing less than they should. And some of those things I'm, I, I question. Anyway, overgiving. 
Uh, here's 10 quick items that might be signals that you're an overgiver. One, you give because you want to feel loved, liked, or admired. Two, you put others' needs before your own. Three, you feel guilty when someone gives to you. Four, asking for something is difficult, uncomfortable, or something you avoid altogether. Five, it is important for you to be the giver in almost every relationship. Six, you have excessive apologizing when you can't give in the manner you would like to give. Seven, you feel unappreciated. Eight, you feel insecure in your relationships. Nine, you feel lonely. And ten, you have difficulty making decisions. So I hope you can see that there's some, some overlap here. There's, it's kind of a little confusing. <laughs> I, I think it's a, a little confusing. It's not as clear as I would like. And I do want to, again, emphasize the fact that, fact that good leaders or people who have high emotional intelligence and emotional abilities do want the people in their circle, in their work team, in their relationships to be happy. Most people don't want people in their relationships to be unhappy. But we're talking about something that's gone, that crosses over a threshold is what we're talking about. So the common ground for a people pleaser, someone who overfunctions or is an overgiver is that they do more than is necessary or required, that it may not be authentic. It may be that they're hardwired to do those behaviors, but it's not necessarily authentic. Three, it's not reciprocal. The other party or parties are not reciprocating. Four, it's less healthy than other ways of operating. And five, there's a sacrificing of yourself. So there's some overlap. You can see I'm saying it's a little gray. There's some overlap. Now I do, before I move on, I do want to distinguish a concept. I'm sure you don't have it. So don't go there and think, oh yeah, I have that. But I do want to, I, it's in, it fits right in, which is the martyr complex. Of course, because I do not want any of you to have the martyr complex. So someone who has a martyr complex is they choose to feel and act like the victim. A person with a martyr complex will sacrifice his or her own needs to please others, although they feel helpless, trapped, and victimized by other people's demands. And I don't know about you, but I think that we all know people people who will either play the victim or play the martyr. And we don't want you to have a martyr complex. Be, being the victim, there's no power in that. There's no power for you. And my content is about helping you be happy, healthy, and well-loved and taking back your power at every turn. So that gives you kind of like a messy, sloppy <laughs> overview of the three terms. I want to give you now, where does this come from? Where does this come from? And then make a few remarks before I get into suggestions. So origin, the origins of these three different behaviors happen to be the same. So it could be number one, from childhood trauma, two, a narcissistic or perfectionist parent or parents. In other words, this is a way to cope or a trauma response. Three, domestic abuse, trying to support one parent. 
four, general garden variety abuse, five, abandonment, six, past rejection, seven, low or no boundaries, eight, low self-esteem, nine, being exploited in the past, 10, trauma bonding in the present day, 11, a response to a parental addiction or other parental issue, 12, irrational thinking could be at play, 13, lack of self-awareness, 14, domestic abuse that you have not yet recognized, 15, sibling bullying or mistreatment, and 16, it was re role modeled for you and it's really all you know. So they're very common situations that can result in your response to life, your response to the trauma or the situation is that you become a people pleaser or you over function or you're an overgiver. So I want to touch base on trauma and abuse because trauma and abuse is very common. So either childhood or adult trauma or and or child or adult abuse. So so trauma or abuse in childhood or in your adult life uh, could be what's at play. However, because we've normalized abuse and bad behaviors and we're not talking about it, you might not recognize that you've had a trauma or a certain behavior is abusive. So for example, to make this very clear to you, sibling bullying and mistreatment has been normalized by society to the level, if you bring up this topic with a parent whose children are children and are teasing and tormenting each other, that parent is extremely likely to say to you, oh, that's normal. All kids do that. In America, up to up to 80% of children are bullied or mistreated by a sibling, which makes it an epidemic. Then we have parents who are denying that the bullying or mistreatment is a problem in any way, compounding it. So if you were a child and you grew up in a household where one or more of your siblings, I mean, this happens in families where there are only two children. I mean, it doesn't usually happen in a family with only one child. But I have known this to be the case where there were only two kids. Two boys, two girls, and a boy and a girl. So gender doesn't matter either. But again, since we're not openly talking about that, how would you know that what you experienced was abnormal or abusive? It would be all you know. It would just be all you know. Now, and on top of it, we're not talking about bad parents bad parents' behavior, one, a parent making one of their children the scapegoats, and so much more, how would you know that what you experienced was trauma or abuse? I, I don't know how you'd, you'd know that. Now, to, to pile on just a little bit more, 
We have, I have to mention this, which is domestic abuse. Most people who end up, now I'm talking about domestic abuse without the violence. We have domestic abuse and we have domestic violence. Many cases of domestic abuse end up being domestic violence, but there may be a relationship prior to violence where it's just domestic abuse. And not all domestic abuse ends up with violence. So I'm just distinguishing that to make it clear. But most people who end up in a domestic abuse relationship did not sign up for that willingly. They did not say to themselves, oh, I think this woman is going to be abusive to me and I'll end up in domestic abuse, so I'll pick her. Or vice versa with a girl picking a guy. Like people end up in this unbeknownst to them. And if you grew up in a household where you, one of your parents or step-parents was abusive to the other parent or step-parent, you may have adopted a coping strategy of being a people pleaser, over-functioning, or being an over-giver. So in domestic abuse, sometimes we see the children when they're when they're growing up or when they're grown up end up being people pleasers or overgivers or overfunction as a way to bring down the conflict, as a way to deal with their emotions. Now in adult relationships, people fall into abusive situations and they're not aware of it necessarily because we have a concept called betrayal blindness. And thanks to the work of Jennifer Freyd, F-R-E-Y-D, PhD, from the University of Oregon, who is the originator of betrayal trauma and betrayal trauma theory, we understand the concept of betrayal blindness, which is the not seeing, the forgetting, the not noticing abuse, further compounded by trauma bonding. Now, I do have a podcast about trauma bonding. I only found out about Ms. Freyd's work last year, and I'm deeply moved and appreciative of it and I only found out about trauma bonding last year so these are new things but boy are they powerful let me tell you so if you're in a domestic abuse relationship now or you just got out of it give yourself a break I'm telling you this is extremely common I have experience with this so I know what I'm talking about and it could be a result of many different things. I have other podcasts that will help you if that applies to you because it is a big problem. It's not just a big problem because it could turn violent. It's a problem because it's it's very abusive. It's very painful. There's nothing right about domestic abuse, yet it is very common. So it's helpful to understand how you got put together. You may have gotten put together as a people pleaser, someone who overfunctions, or an overgiver as a result of trauma, of abuse, or domestic abuse, even if you were just witness to it. So 
The next area that impacts this topic is self-esteem. What's interesting to me, so in the world, the research seems to agree. We don't have much agreement, but it seems there seems to be agreement on this, is that up to 85% of the population has low self-esteem. Well, this is interesting because what was the statistic on sibling bullying or mistreatment? Up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated by their siblings. So we've got 85% of the world has low self-esteem, up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated by a sibling. Then we add dysfunctional family dynamics. That number has been extremely elusive. The only one I ever found was between 70 and 96% of American families are dysfunctional. And we do know factually over 70% of the world, the world's population, has had at least one trauma. So all of this you can see is the perfect storm for becoming someone who overfunctions, is a people pleaser, is a giver, like it would be a natural response, and particularly when low self-esteem is at play. I will I will mention overfunctioning a little bit later, but I had healthy standalone self-esteem and I ended up being an overfunctioner because I was paired with people who were underfunctioning and things had to get done. Then I found out and oh I really went to work on that. So another area that can impact this people pleasing, overfunctioning, overgiving is boundaries. Now, looking at some of the literature uh, lists of behaviors and traits, it seemed to me highly that the boundaries were low or missing. So that's why I've included boundaries in this podcast because I'm a big fan of boundaries. Boundaries are things that you want to have. It's really a requirement for a healthy life. And the lack of boundaries causes a lot of problems or has the potential to cause a lot of problems. I do have a podcast about boundaries, but in looking at the the literature on people-pleasing and over-functioning in particular, it seemed like boundaries were completely AWOL or missing. So that's why I'm including boundaries here. The next thing layer to this is assertiveness. Well, I do have to say that my, God rest her soul, but my mom made me read an assertiveness book in high school to deal with some, you know, issues with friends and whatnot. And I read the book, You're Perfect Right. And thank goodness, because it it's very helpful in stand, to be able to stand up for yourself and to be able to distinguish healthy ways of approaching conversations that are respectful to other people and respectful to your own needs and wants. Assertiveness is missing in some of these dynamics. Now, I've always, I've been, listen, I have been assertive since, since high school. And, uh, I still fell into the trap of being an overfunctioner, and it wasn't about assertiveness. But clearly, from looking at some of the literature, uh, its assertiveness is missing and will be very, very helpful for many of you. I mean, assertiveness is helpful for everybody. It's really great. The world would be different if we had more assertiveness, which is not aggression, by the way. The dictionary definition, last I looked, had aggression in the dictionary definition. No, that's wrong. That's not correct. 
Okay. The next aspect of this as a layer is self-love, self-appreciation, and self-awareness, which looks from the literature to be often missing. Self-love, self-appreciation, and self-awareness. My suggestion for you, if you already know at this point in the podcast that you're a people pleaser or you tend to be a people pleaser, or you overfunction, or you're somebody who does too much giving, my request is that you make a list of every single good trait that you have. I am talking about character traits and personality traits. To that list, I would then like you to add every skill and every ability you have, stopping at nothing. So if you did woodworking in 10th grade and you you don't do it now, but you did it then and you could do it again, you put down woodworking or sewing. I mean, I don't care if you're still doing it. If you did it and you know how to do it, even if you're rusty, it goes on the list. And then add the roles that you fill in life. So you have this robust list because I'm sure, well, all of you are a son or daughter to somebody, whether they're living or not. You know, you may have children making you a mother or father. You might not have children, but you might be a aunt or uncle. Include every role that you fill. So now you've got your character traits, personality traits, your skills and abilities, and the roles you have in life. And let that sink in, in terms of, wow, like I really have something here. I've mentioned this in a few other podcasts. I did this with my children when they were very, very young. And they had over 25 things and they were little kids, little kids. So that will help you move away though from people pleasing, over functioning or over giving. So I have a few suggestions to really help you get away from the over giving, over functioning or people pleasing if they apply. Number one, Learn emotional processing using my free workbook. That will help you. Now, if you're in domestic abuse or you're trapped or you've got some other things going on, you still would do very well to learn the emotional processing skills. I promise you. It might not take care of your other issues, but it will help you mentally. It will help you emotionally. It will change your life. You have to allow your feelings whatever they are. Number two, move or shift the focus of your energy to what you and what you want for you in your life with what starting with what makes you happy. I don't know what makes you happy. I, I know when I when I coach people, usually at the beginning we talk about what makes you happy and nobody knows. So if you know what makes you happy, you should pat yourself on the back because a lot of people don't know the answer to that question. But make happiness a focus. And I'm not talking about happiness because you have the right job or the right girl or guy or spouse or money in the bank. I'm talking about happiness separate from your circumstances. Number three, learning assertiveness is going to help you sort this out and move towards being authentic. You can be assertive and still be kind of trapped in a position where you're over-functioning until you recognize it, which I'm going to talk about now. So number four, 
celebrate, like literally celebrate if you recognize that this is an area for you to grow and develop. I promise you, you should celebrate it. Because I have to tell you, when I learned that uh, this over-functioning was a dynamic in some of my relationships, I was quite surprised, first of all. But after I heard it, I was like, hmm, yes, I see I do more than my share. Yes, I see that I justify their behavior. Hmm, I, I could see it. In other words, I could just see it. What had not been obvious to me before, then I could see. So what did I do? Well, I, having a growth mindset, well, that's the Carol Dweck term we recently picked up from her research. I, with the growth mindset, decided, woohoo for me. Like, this is great because this is one other area I can begin to gain mastery on and overcome, and then I won't be over-functioning in life. So I had a celebratory a mindset towards it and I remember at one point in the journey of moving away from being someone who overfunctions, saying to my children out loud oh wait is this me overfunctioning? oh wait do I need to do this or is this overfunctioning? and really out loud just kind of talking it through and and there was at least once or twice where the kids and I actually discussed it I don't know that they would remember that but but you could have a celebratory approach if you're a people pleaser, if you overfunction, or you do too much giving. You could. Or you could be like, oh, woe is me, this is terrible. Like, you know, you get the choice is yours. I clearly I clearly recommend the growth mindset. Number five, be mindful, be present. This has many benefits. I have a podcast on being mindful and being present, which will help you with the basics of the benefits but and how to do it if you're if you're not definitely really valuable number six boss up your self-care self-care like a boss if you're not doing it oh my gosh you don't know what you're missing (laughs) i know (laughs) i think it's fantastic i do a podcast about that seven i already mentioned healthy boundary boundaries so having healthy boundaries though will help you it will be protective for you if you tend to be a people pleaser or you over function or you over give and i do have a podcast about boundaries i'm a i'm a diehard fan of boundaries i'm not a diehard fan when people cross my boundaries or cross other people's boundaries although it happens more than you know number eight Trauma and trauma bonding. Well, it could be trauma bonding that's really at play in your people-pleasing or over-functioning or over-giving. Or or it could just be trauma, but you're not trauma-bonded. That would be completely reasonable, completely normal, completely understandable. It would be. That doesn't help you. But you recognizing, oh, this is trauma. Oh, I think I have a trauma bond. That will help you move away from it. Might also explain why that's going on. Number nine, get on a path to liking and appreciating yourself. I know. I mean, listen, some of you people are so unbelievably nasty to yourselves. You're just, you're, you're literally Sid Vicious. Number one, that is very unattractive. I hate to tell you, it's very unattractive. Number two, it is painful for people to see you treating yourself that way. 
you can get on a path. I've got lots of podcasts that will help you start to like yourself and appreciate yourself and eventually move into love and affection. So I would put that on your list of things you could grow and develop is liking and appreciating yourself. Next on the list, last on the list actually, is love and affection. I <laughs> I operate from love and affection. I love love. I love everything about love and affection. It's like my favorite thing. My first podcast is titled Be Well Loved. It makes no difference to me if the only kind of love and affection you want in your life is platonic. I'm fine with that. I have no skin in the game for what kind of love and affection you have. My commitment is that you are happy, healthy, and well-loved and that you have love and affection. Whether it's platonic, whether it's romantic or both, makes no difference. Boost love and affection or take the steps to bring love and affection into your life. Those are the top 10 recommendations for moving away from being a people pleaser, over-functioner, or over-giver. All very common and there are things, as I've covered in the podcast, that set you up perfectly to, to be that way. Trauma response, what have you. So this is it's a common behavior. And as I said already, it's not bad. It's normal to want people in your life circle posse to be happy. My suggestion is that because of neuroplasticity of the brain, we know you can change anything about your personality, your characteristics, your temperament, your behavior. So use science to change whatever needs to be changed and deal with your emotions. You have to deal with your emotions always. Put yourself on the path for growth and development. Do let me know how I can help you. My commitment, you're in my end game, people. You are my end game, one of them. Uh, so let me know how I can help you because that's what I'm here for. I do love you. I hope that's been helpful. Take care for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 202 people pleasing and over functioning. I certainly hope you've gotten some new ideas about actions and strategies to move away from those behaviors. Please share this podcast on social media to help other people have a happy, healthy, and amazing life. I love you. That's it for now.